Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 278 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. To those of you who are longtime subscribers, thank you so much for being patient while we've been in California the last five weeks on the court a ton in Indian Wells, working with a lot of students. And so it really, when I'm traveling like that, it's just really not possible to keep up with the podcast. Today, we've got an excellent topic in store coming to us from Ben. He submitted this saying about half a year ago, I was very lucky to meet a high level player who I've been trying to hit with more regularly. To give a brief, ba- a brief background of this person, he's in his mid-40s, a former star high school player in the city, formerly top-ranked in the East, won city and state championships multiple times, and decided to play Division I tennis instead of going on the pro tour. On the other hand, I'm in my mid-20s and consider myself to be a relatively strong and talented 4.0 tennis player. I have no problems rallying and drilling with this guy, but this situation completely changes from black to white during point play. Nothing seems to phase this guy, regardless of how hard I hit or how well I place the ball during points. He somehow seems to have an answer for every shot, even my lucky ones. Therefore, just hitting a deep standard rally ball isn't good enough to neutralize a point, or else he makes me pay the price. The only fighting chance I have is to consistently flatten out my shots and or take the ball early, but I just can't match his consistency over time. Apparently, he doesn't get to play as frequently as he wants to, considering he works a 9-to-5 job and has a family. What I find amazing and interesting is his ability to still be able to play tennis at such a high level and maintain it. I've noticed that this is a very common trait among higher-level players. Can you talk about how higher-level players, 4.5 and above, manage to maintain their levels of play without playing too frequently? What is the highest level you see commonly maintained for recreational players? I feel that 4.0 is most common, but I could be wrong. Also, would you be able to talk about what it takes to go beyond a 4.0 level? Is it even possible for those that work or go to school full-time? All right, just a ton of stuff packed in here, and I, I kind of compressed this a little bit just to, to make the read-through a little bit faster, but you get the gist here. And so today we're going to be talking about what it takes to improve beyond a 4.0 level. And Ben brings up a lot of topics here, a lot of issues that are beneath the surface and things that you may not be aware of that are the case. We're going to talk about the depth of tennis, how many levels and layers there are of tennis execution. We're going to talk about the relative nature of levels of tennis and how different levels uh, match up together. This is a really important elements here. And we're also going to talk about ascending above the 4.0 level. What does that take exactly? And is it possible without full-time you know, training as if you're a professional player? If you've got a full-time career or, and or family, is it even possible? So uh, we're going to start off by talking about the depth of tennis. And I, I, this may, at first glance, this may seem like kind of a pointless uh, topic. It may may seem like something that's, you know, maybe great to chat about over a beer, but it's not really important for improvement. But I think that, first of all, if you take tennis improvement really seriously, then I think having a healthy 
realistic perspective of the reality of tennis and how deep it is, how vast the different levels are. The reality is there's millions of levels of play and many, many, many more levels of play than 99% of players realize, especially amateur recreational level players. I'm talking about level of players, not the... um, not how passionate the player is. A lot of times I think players hear recreational and they, they assume that, oh, it's players that don't, don't take it too seriously. I'm talking about up to 5.0. Uh, 4.5 and below, those players, few of them, 1%, realize how deep the game is. And I, I'm saying this from experience because as a 5.0 level player myself, it's taken me multiple personal experiences to understand the reality of how deep the game is and how vast the, the uh, chasms are between levels of play. So first of all, a stat that I've heard referenced several times, and I, I can't find like an official reference point for this anywhere, but from USTA uh, officials, I've heard this, from other coaches, I've heard this, that the difference between a full 0.5 NTRP level of play is a 6-0-6-0 match, a double bagel. So here in the U.S., we have the, the NTRP rating system. You can do a Google search for NTRP rating to see kind of a description, but basically it goes from 1.0 to 7.0. 6.0 and above is a, is a professional player, meaning they make a living playing tennis and competing at tennis. Most tennis players and average tennis players, 3.0 or 3.5, and 5.0 and above is top couple percentage points of players. Most college players fall into to that category. So the difference between a middle-of-the-road average 4.0 player and a middle-of-the-road average 4.5 player is a 6-0-6-0 match. You know, just generally speaking, broadly speaking, of course, there's a lot of variables at play, strengths and weaknesses, how they match up, how the styles match up between the two players. But the point is, there's a huge difference between a solid 3-0 player and a solid 3-5 player, or a solid 3-5 player and a solid 4-0 player. Now, Ben, the listener who wrote in with this question, who's kind of marveling at the ability of this uh, ex-college player to kind of handle his shots. I just want to be clear on this. This is If we're talking about a, a solid Division I tennis player, not even top Division I, just middle of the road, Division I X tennis player, we're talking about well above a 5.0 player, right? 5.5 five or 5.5 five plus uh, tennis player. And Ben considers himself a strong 4.0 player. So we're talking about at least two full NTRP rating levels above where Ben is, possibly three, depending on where this guy fell in exactly. And Ben, by the way, just a little sidebar, the difference between playing at Division One and going on the pro tour is massive, 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 just a universe of playing level and talent level and ability level between those two things. There's kind of a little sidebar there, as long as we're talking about the depth of, of tennis. He made the, the statement, uh, he won city and state championships multiple times and decided to play division one tennis instead of going pro. And Ben s- states that as if he kind of had an equal choice. Oh, do I want to go pro or do I want to play division one? 
it probably wasn't that way. I'm, I'm just letting you know. Uh, it's only the very, very elite Division One athletes that have any chance of being successful at all on the pro tour. Uh, so more than likely, uh, Division One competition was the best he could do. I don't know for sure. It's it's possible he was actually stronger than that. Uh, but even within Division One, there's a huge range of talent and ability levels. So. Um, Ben, I think it's really important just to realize and be realistic and, and uh, just understand the reality that you don't have anything that can hurt this guy. At least not yet. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's a long road between where you are now and having anything that can put this guy off balance or challenge him, much less have any uh, ability to, to beat him just within individual shots or points consistently. Not saying that to be disrespectful at all, and hopefully, you know, by my delivery and tone, you can tell that. I'm just really trying to state reality for your benefit and for the benefit of everybody else listening. I'm trying to give context between the two of you, and and just kind of personal story uh, related to this is, you know, I I used to have similar, rather different, but but similar kind of thoughts about where I was in relationship to professional quality athletes. I played relatively high level division two, uh, tennis, uh, NCAA tennis. And I played with, I was towards the bottom of the team. And so I played with players that were much better athletes than me that were at the top of our, our lineup. One of them in particular, uh, he won a NCAA national uh, title in doubles. Uh, so extremely talented athlete built much bigger, much stronger than me. All his strokes were more refined than mine. Uh, I could, you know, I could challenge him and we sparred together a lot, but at the end of the day, his quality of play and athleticism, which was much higher than mine. And when he completed his college career, he actually got a couple sponsors from the club where he was teaching and went and gave it a, gave it a run on the challenger and and future circuit in Europe. And, uh, he was on the road for, I think a full uh, summer, like six or eight months, and he didn't win a match, <laughs> not not one match. When I when I heard that, when I when I found out about that, all of a sudden, you know, my my perspective changed, and I realized, holy cow! Like if if he couldn't even win a match, I would have gotten just unbelievably destroyed. And I used to think, uh, it, if I had started younger, or if uh, you know, I, I had more. If, if my family had, you know, more finances to, to get me more training or higher level training, maybe I could have had a chance, but that really put things in perspective for me and, and helped me to understand and realize, uh, the, the quality of the athletes at professional level is a completely different, completely different animal, completely different beast. And then more uh, recently, Kevin Garlington from Total Tennis Domination joined us back in December and he played kind of middle of the road division one tennis and uh, I was just looking over some of his uh, college results because I was actually curious how well he did. Uh, he played at a, a Division One school, not top-ranked or anything like that, but kind of middle of the lineup, Division One, uh, middle, middle of the road, Division One school. And, you know, did reasonably well and actually d- went and played some challenger and uh, future, you know, basically uh, AAA professional tournaments and and I think had some decent results but not well enough to kind of stick stick at it and uh, try to really make it on the tour and he just absolutely crushes me from the baseline really in all phases of play he's uh, I'm really not anywhere close to his level of execution Uh, and he tried it too and wasn't able to make it work 
So that gives me perspective, and and I'm able to compete at a 5-0 level. Uh, and so it's important to understand that you know for me as a 5-0 level, I'm I'm top couple percentage points of amateur tennis players, and there's hundreds and probably thousands of layers of levels of player above me. And I think if your average amateur tennis player understood that, it would really put into perspective where they are. And I, listen, you're going to fall into one of two camps on this. Either that's going to discourage you and you're going to say, wow, well, what's the point? Uh, or you'll hopefully it will kind of humble you and give you appreciation and respect for what those people have accomplished. And also... Uh, help you to understand that if you get crushed by a player who's a uh, full level or two above you, just understand that that is the reality of the game and it should happen. It should happen. It doesn't matter how good you get. If Kevin went out, who who dominates me from the baseline and played a number 600 level you know player in the world, he would get dominated. And that number 600 player in the world if they went out baseline to baseline against a 200-ranked player in the world, they would get dominated. And it's just the, the nature of tennis. So I kind of keep going on this. I'm going to move on. Number one thing to understand, Ben, is tennis is unbelievably deep from bottom to top. And even within each strata, there's many, 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 many layers. Just within 4.0, many, many layers. Within 4.5, many layers. And so it's important to understand that and, uh, and respect it and just know where you fit in in the grand scheme of things so that you have appropriate expectations and you know exactly where you fit in. And so that brings us to point number two. It's all relative. And for me, in, in thinking about this, and Ben was describing how he just can't find any way, you know, he can kind of rally with him and drill with this guy. But uh, during point play, everything completely changes. And so, Ben, it's critical to understand. And for me, illustrating this, what came to mind for me was a, a, a concept or a framework that I frequently use in the learning process. And it's called the concentric circles of learning. And it's meant to illustrate uh, different kind of phases that a person can fall into when it comes to executing something. And so just imagine kind of a, a dartboard or a, uh, an archery target a bullseye with three circles the very center circle the smallest one the bullseye is somebody's comfort zone that's where they're executing everything at the speed and at the execution level that they're used to doing it they're comfortable with it and then in the next circle the middle one is the learning zone it's just outside of comfort zone and so just pushing just beyond what you're comfortable with that's where you can kind of learn and develop and train yourself to reach the next level and then beyond the learning zone is the panic zone <laughs> and so it's under it's cr critical to understand where you fit in with the person across the net from you and what their relative ability to execute is the ball that used to be in his comfort zone meaning back when this guy was playing full-time and he was training as a college athlete, the ball he used to be able to be comfortable with is now in his panic zone. And if he's not training at full intensity, then his ability to execute drops, and it does for all of us. But at a lower level of execution, for him, 
he's still way stronger than most players. So his overall ability to execute has certainly fallen. He's got a career. He's got kids. He's not able to play as much as he wants. So I promise you, his ability to execute right now is much lower than it used to be. But his comfortable pace is still way above your panic zone. And understanding those different levels and strata, the relative nature of execution is really important. And so Ben was kind of like, uh, how, how, how is it that, you know, I can rally with this guy? No disrespect, Ben, but that's because he's finding, he's grooving his shots and just finding the pace that's comfortable for you. When it, when it counts, you guys are keeping track of score. He's raising his level and he's got many, many, many levels of execution above what's comfortable for you. And so he can, he can come down probably four or five levels of execution and still be in your challenge zone, still be in your learning zone, probably still be in, in your panic zone, be able to deliver a ball that completely overwhelms you. And he's got many, many levels uh, above where your panic zone is to be able to find something that challenges you to the point where you can no longer keep up. So understanding the relative nature is unbelievably important because otherwise uh, it's it's unbelievably frustrating to put in all the time and work that it takes to get up to 4.0 to where you are now that's it's a lot of work you're well above the average level player ben and uh that's kind of what i wanted to cover really quickly next you, you kind of guessed that maybe 4.0 is um uh, let's see, he says, what's the highest level you commonly uh, maintain for recreational players? So he's basically asking, what's the average level for an amateur player? 4.0 is definitely above average, Ben. Uh, somewhere around 3.0 to 3.5, probably 3.5 is right about in the middle. Uh, 3.0 is average-ish, probably a little bit on the weaker side, and 3.5, depending on which region you're in, uh, what level of 3.5 exactly, is probably a little bit above average. 4.0 is definitely a strong intermediate player. Uh, 4.5 and above, I remember hearing at some point, is top 10% of amateur players. 4.5 and above. And 5.0 and above is top couple percentage points of amateur players. So that's where you fit in, Ben, and everybody else you know, listening. And there's no shame. Wherever you are in the journey, wherever you are on the ladder, uh, it's important to understand that there's thousands and thousands and thousands of players below you, and there's thousands and thousands above you. And that's it, there's just because you've worked hard for 10 or 20 or 30 years doesn't mean there still aren't players out there who can just absolutely dominate you. <laughs> And it's true for me, and it's true for, for Ben, it's true for Kevin, it's true for my, my teammate in college, it's true for all of us. And I think being realistic and accepting that is important, is an important step in, in accepting where you are as a player and it, starting to enjoy the process instead of being super obsessed about the result, meaning whether or not you lost or how badly you lost or how easy the other player made it is really is very, very irrelevant. So final topic here, number three, ascending above 4.0. So what, is, what does Ben need to do to bridge the gap between where he is now and his results with this player and challenging him more, putting him a little bit out of his comfort zone, hopefully eventually? Well, in short, Ben, and as I described kind of early on, you're multiple levels. There's multiple levels between where you are and where he is. At least two full NTRP 
uh, rating levels. You're 4.0. He's pr- at least a strong 5.0, possibly above that. And so in short, everything that you do needs to be faster, stronger, and more precise at all at the same time. And I mean everything. Every strong shot needs to be significantly stronger. Every shot with spin needs to be hit with significantly more spin. Everything that requires precision, a winner or a drop shot or an angle shot, all needs to be significantly more precise. It comes down to several factors. There's quality of technical execution. Your, your movement patterns, your, your base technique, your fundamental, the fundamental way that you move your body, swing the racket, all needs to be refined. All of it needs to be dramatically improved. And I'm not saying you're not a good athlete. I'm not saying you haven't already worked hard. But the difference in quality of execution between where you are and what this other player's kind of max potential is at the moment is, is large. And that comes down to quality of how the body is being moved, how the racket is being swung. So all of your techniques need to be improved and refined. Your swing speed needs to double to compete with a solid 5.0 player. Again, difference between 4.0 and 5.0, dramatic, dramatic difference. And this is, you know, to be totally honest, just, I'm just throwing a number out there, but I, w- I would guess if we if we measured average swing speed in a ground stroke rally across 104.0 matches and 105.0 matches, we would see double or more the swing speed. Uh, That high level player on average is swinging much, much faster. They're creating much more pace and much more spin. It's especially true on serves and ground strokes. Every ground stroke has a high level of acceleration. Every serve has a high level of acceleration when this player is playing at his or her native level. Uh, I'm talking about 5.0 and above uh, players. Spin needs to be much heavier. Shape needs to be much more dramatic. For me, uh, rallying with, with Kevin, again, so, so for me being kind of middle of the road 2.0, I'm sorry, middle of the road division two, competitor and, and Kevin being kind of middle of the road division one competitor. Uh, biggest difference between us is the amount of spin and shape and how heavy the ball is. It's a dramatic difference between the two of us. And it's what, what I, as of right now, when the two of us are rallying, as I slowly start to uh, become more familiar with it and adapt to it, as I haven't seen it in years, uh, that's the different, biggest difference between us. And I really struggle adapting to the heaviness of his ground strokes. The same thing on the serve. Much more racket head speed, much more spin, much more, much more shape. And then lastly, lastly, overall power and placement needs to dramatically improve. And both at the same time. And this is something that uh, traces directly back to quality of technique, refining movement patterns and technical habits. You can't have power and precision without very high quality of how you're moving your body, your technical habits, uh, your, the way that you move your body in which order the muscles fire, etc. all needs to be on point. If, if not, your swing speed will not be there and your precision will not be there. So these are all big picture, long-term projects. None of the things I just talked about are like, oh yeah, there's, here's a tip to double your, <laughs> double your swing speed on your ground strokes. It doesn't happen with a single concept or a single tip or a single aha moment. 
We're talking big picture, long-term development and committing to a process of changing habits, which can only happen over the long term. It's not, it's, it's not a matter of getting the right tip or having the right lesson and having everything click. This is, this is a long-term, big-picture pro, uh, project. Is it possible that, that we can do this and develop this uh, full-time or job or career, going to school or having a family? Yeah, absolutely. But the level of commitment that it requires, the level of work that it requires you'll need to sacrifice other things. I'm just letting you, know, letting you know that right now, whether that be socialization or maybe other hobbies you enjoy or just relaxation and entertainment, watching Netflix or what, whatever, watching YouTube or playing video games or whatever it is, whatever it is that you like to do to, to just unwind along with other uh, kind of hobbies and things that you're pursuing and, and socializing, something is going to have to give. And for me, the best example of this that I've seen over the years is one of our private students named Sean. He's from Australia. Uh, if you're following our YouTube channel, you'll see some content with him soon. We worked with him in Indian Wells. Uh, he came out to California to work with us just a couple weeks ago. And he's been working hard on his game for f- the last four or five years uh, since the, f- the first time that I worked with him. And it's been painstaking for him. He's got three little kids. He's got a career. Uh, His wife also has a career. He kind of goes back and forth between being a stay-at-home dad and kind of career on the side a little bit or being full-time in his career, but also obviously still with the family um, obligations there. And he his schedule is is super intense i mean he's in his 40s i think maybe he's he's getting close to 50 now so it's really a lot of effort for him to keep his body in the shape it has to be in put in the reps that he has to put in to to make the improvements he wants to make so that he can continue pushing forwards he's competing solidly at a 5.0 level now and uh, it's continuing to layer more and more skills and abilities onto what he has. And, and so, yeah, you can do it, but he's waking up at 4.35 in the morning to, to work out, take his ball machine to the courts and go hit day after day after day. So it takes very deliberate, focused work, one little step at a time over the course of a relatively long period of time, focusing on the most essential elements. But can you do it? Yes. But understand that we're talking about big, big jumps and improvement. And that only happens through very deliberate, very focused work. So I'm honestly really curious about the feedback on this episode. I I feel like your average player, if they listen to the last 25 minutes, uh, would just be like, what's what's the point? Like a lot of the, a lot of what I just described is probably, probably going to be at least a little bit uh, discouraging to some of you. Uh, others, hopefully it's in- inspirational and, and gives you motivation and drive. Uh, hopefully having a, a better perspective or viewpoint of how big and deep the game is gives you uh, that kind of push that you need to, to really take it more seriously and, and really put in the hard work. That's, that's my hope. Uh, let me know. Send me an email to Ian. That's I-A-N at EssentialTennis.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, your feedback. And if you have any other questions or topics you'd love for me to cover in this show, can write those to me as well. Thank you so much for listening. Always appreciate your time and your attention. For more free game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com, where you'll find hundreds of video, 
audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube, where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care and good luck with your tennis.